Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie Rupert. Thank you for tuning into the Meaning of Everything podcast, where we rethink, reimagine, and gain a deeper understanding of the stuff that matters most. Today is episode 7X. Now, what this means is uh, it is the follow-up episode to episode 7, which was uh, fantastic. I did with uh, Professor Stuart Firestein, who is challenging the way we think about science. And so in this episode today, I actually, I'm going to talk about what we, uh, the history of science. I'm going to talk about what relationship science had with uncertainty from the beginning, how science became the way it is today and like the psychological implications of it. And so I'm going to be leaning a lot into the kinds of ideas that Stuart and I talked about. Uh, science is not this progressive march towards knowledge, and it's not this great savior that is going to deliver us to certainty. It is rather a churning event full of ignorance and failure and uh, can generate uh, these uncertainties, and they can be really beautiful, although usually, typically in our society, we don't handle them very well. So um, I'm going to be talking about that Today, I think it uh, won't be too, too boring. And these episodes are always short. You know, I'll, I'll always keep them less than 20 minutes. And you're more than welcome to skip them, you know. Uh, I have no problem with people choosing the episodes to listen to that they want to. Uh, and so uh, when you leave a review of the podcast, if you haven't already, because I'm assuming you have already because uh, you're a great and loyal fan. Um, so if you leave a review... Uh, Feel free to let me know what you think of different kinds of episodes, uh, but just know that I have no attachment to you listening to any bits over the others. So um, there's that. Um, I'll mention briefly, I've mentioned this a bunch. I'll stop mentioning it as much soon. Um, I am giving away a free book uh, once a week to uh, people, the people who leave reviews of the podcast, mostly on Apple podcasts. So if you do that, and if you don't know how, you can go to stephanieruper.com slash review, and it'll take you right to the page. Uh, leave a review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to tmoeverything at gmail.com, and then you'll be entered into a drawing, and I'll, I'll you know, there's really great books on the list. Um, Infinite Jest, you know, a novel. Um, After Theory is a book by Terry Eagleton. It's about postmodernism, and it's brilliant and, and important. I know a lot of people don't get into cultural theory, but uh, it's very accessible. It's short. It's a great read. Uh, some more fun, meaningful books, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, uh, Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. There's some books about positive psychology, some books about science. I'm a huge E.O. Wilson fan, so there's some E.O. Wilson books on there. Um, there's there's really a lot. So um, that's my bookshelf. They're all from my bookshelf, and, and I'm happy to share that with you. You can also be watching these things on YouTube uh, if if you're listening on a, on a podcast right now and, and prefer looking at faces, or if you're on YouTube, you can download this as a podcast. And if you subscribe to any of those places, I would be really grateful. I know I ask for a lot, uh, but I hopefully am, am giving you something uh, back. Hopefully I'm giving you something uh, that's much greater than, than what, what you give me. Hopefully I'm being helpful. So uh, that is that for housekeeping. And I will henceforth just be talking about science. So science has always been deeply emotionally important to me. I'll start this by talking about myself. Science promised me as a young child, it seemed to promise me a way to make sense of things. 
and a way to finally like put as many pieces together. I was always desperate to make sense of things. And so I turned to science as a source of knowledge. I really did. I found it very helpful and consoling and people talked about it in beautiful ways. They talked about, you know, Richard Dawkins is a famous scientist and also now more famous for his rabid, hateful atheism. But uh, Richard Dawkins is a always talking about how you can experience wonder, which is something we talked about on episode five with Lisa Sedaris. Um, you can experience wonder when you, when you get to know the world. And I was all about that. Um, but I also found that I wasn't, I wasn't quite finding the, the answers that I was looking for, the certainty that I was looking for. And there were still huge questions I had that science failed to address. You know, is there life after death? For example, is there a soul? Uh, what is going, like, why do things exist? All these kinds of questions science, science wasn't going to be able to answer. And now that I have been studying science for several, many, several years, read many hundreds of books on it, I have come to realize that science just isn't inadequate to answering these questions. And that not like there's anything wrong with that. It's not supposed to be an answer to these questions. But not only is science inadequate to it, but it also is actually why a big piece, not the only piece, but a big piece of why we have these questions in the first place. So I'll tell you a little bit about the history of science so that you'll see that science has vastly opened up areas of questioning for us and often in ways that I think are destabilizing. You know, I've talked about this a little bit in episode two of the podcast where I was introducing the podcast and talking about the cultural climate that has created it. Um, and there's a post on my blog um, on my website about this issue specifically. So go take a look at it if you want some more detail. Um, so science it is often said to have begun either with the publication of Copernicus's book uh, on the revolution of celestial spheres in 1517, or with the work that Galileo did on, on the motions of, um, also on, on the motions of planets and, and stars and the like. And these were both in the 16th century, roughly, you know, in the hundred years between 1520 and, and 1620. And this happened, this began happening because people, for the first time, really, since Christianity began, since Rome fell, since the Middle Ages happened. So it's the first time that people began to prioritize, specifically Copernicus and Galileo and, and some of their cohort, people began to prioritize their own perceptions of mathematical elegance, of observational simplicity, uh, over and above the dogma that they had been told, or just the stories or the way that they were told things were based on, you know, revelation and the Bible and, and what have you. And this was the first time in, in the, in Europe, in any case, that people started to prioritize their own thinking on these ideas. And that is really what instantiated science. And it is what ultimately began, you know, if you look back, it's the deepest roots of what we now perceive as a conflict between religion and science, because there was a worldview and it wasn't then considered to be religious because there wasn't a secular to put the religious against. It just was what people thought. And then people started thinking like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I need to push back against this and stand my ground and say, I prioritize 
the mathematical scientific observations that I'm making. And at first, of course, it wasn't, it did, wasn't science with a capital S. It was just experimentation that people did within philosophy. They called it natural philosophy for the next few hundred years, even. And people were doing natural philosophy, and it was like a part of the zeitgeist. It was a part of the beliefs, but it started to push back against them and, and create a bit of a fissure. And that developed over time, you know, and then there was Galileo, and then there was Newton, and I'm just mentioning big figures, and of course there have been very many, very, very many within there, but, you know, science was developing these systems and changing the way that people thought about the world, and they, Europeans at the time, the European Academy, they were trying to hold this scientific vision of the world, which by all appearances was true, you know, quote unquote true, because you could conduct experiments and repeat them and have the results stay the same and you could create technologies and they would work. And so you would think, okay, these things are true, but you also, they wanted to hold the space of the ideas that they'd inherited, these thousands years old ideas that they'd inherited and, and been raised and told were true. And so a lot of really interesting stuff was happening here between what we now call religion and what we now call science, although then again, they didn't. And it was much more complexly interwoven but the sciences uh, increasingly took up more space. And people saw, like nowadays we look back and we see that God was being pushed out of the picture. And there was also biblical criticism evolving at this time. And people were reading the Bible very closely and realizing that it was written by humans. You know, realizing that there were different writing patterns and different structures and different words being used in language and whatever that indicated that there were these different books and different people wrote different pieces of different books and, and all that sort of thing. So this was becoming a thing. People were questioning the Bible and science was taking up roles that we had often attributed to God, you know, such as making objects move. Newton demonstrated that gravity is, you know, a really big piece of that. And, uh, and the forces that, you know, equal and opposite reactions, these different laws that Newton developed. And, uh, and so many people became deists, which is something that is, you know, commonly taught in high school and, you know, college history courses is uh, many people said, okay, well then God started everything. And then science, our scientific view of the world, you know, the forces of nature carried everything forth. And this was a view that people carried for a long time in the academy. Although of course there were many people who were still religious in different, many different ways, you know, very uh, you know, evangelical religiosity. Calvinism was uh, very deeply committed to uh, the Bible and, and to various practices of faith and this sort of thing. And then came Darwin and Darwin turned humans into apes and even himself um, pretty early on in his writings wrote in one of his journals that was later published uh, that belief in the deity is his word. Belief in the deity was an effect of evolution. And then he called himself, oh, you materialist in his notes. And he was basically saying, we believe in God because we evolved to in some way or another, and we're just animals. And there's no other reason to believe in these kinds of things. And this was enormous. And Darwin, again, didn't say this publicly, but people picked up on it. You know, people realized that this is what was happening with this, with his theory. And so uh, it became it became a, a huge 
sticking point. Like it was something had to give. Science had either completely decimated religion or the two, or God, you know, or the two had to split. And they split. And some people chose faith with a capital F. And some people chose to try to, you know, continue to hold on to their religious beliefs, but change them or consider them as symbols or find some other relationship between religion and science. And then, of course, there were many who just began to reject religion altogether. Now, when I say religion, I put it in air quotes because the concept of religion is actually very new, too. It's only a couple hundred years old. Like solidly, the concept we have today is only a couple hundred years old. And uh, I, I do write, write about this on my website. But uh, religion is also a very problematic category, which we uh, have visited in uh, episode four of this podcast and will continue to revisit. So anyway, the science is one major effect of Darwinism. And it's, this isn't, Darwinism is not the only cause. There were political factors at play, absolutely. But churches in this, there was a group of people in the States who decided that they would stick to the fundamentals capital F, fundamentals of the Christian faith, and this means the Bible, and, and the fundamentals that they discerned from it, and distributed leaflets, and really propagated these ideas, and they became the first official fundamentalists. And in fact, uh, one of the proponents, I can't remember his name, I've, I've written about it, uh, one of the proponents of fundamentalism, the early one said, a fundamentalist is somebody who is willing to do war, do battle, do battle royale was his phrase for the fundamentals. And do battle royale against what? You know, against secularism, against science. It's very fascinating. And so this divide is created and, and people stop, start to advocate against the teaching of evolution in schools. And this happened almost 100 years ago now. You know, 1925 was the year of the famous Scopes trial. William Jennings Bryan argued that, you know, religion or evolution should not be taught in schools. And this is all just, I think, you know, it's an effect of science. Now, to bring this all back to the conversation Stuart and I had in the nature of science, we think of science as something that continually creates knowledge in our day and age today. It creates technology, it creates knowledge, it gives us things to know. But what we fail to really pay attention to is the fact that science is taking away what we know as well. As much as science constructs ideas, it also deconstructs ideas rapidly. It's the greatest destructor of ideas we may have ever had. I mean, philosophy is also great, but science and philosophy are, are not all that dissimilar. You know, they're very uh, co-evolved. You know, they're tied together in their history. And so when we see this like destructive force progressively over time, you know, it was pushing aside ideas that people had assumed for millennia, that there is a life after death, that there is a God, that there is continuity in the human experience, you know, um, and science is progressively destroying these kinds of ideas. And, and there's no saying that it is anywhere done. And what, you know, what kinds of ideas that we hold dear can it, are there left, you know, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could say. We will probably be able to look back in hindsight, but science has really destabilized us, I think, on an existential level. You know, we, we can't, if we are loyal to a scientific worldview, then we cannot be loyal to an absolute moral code. 
right? And so we are in some sense more, we don't have to be relativists, but uh, it's much easier to be a relativist. Um, it's easier to be a nihilist, you know, in the West, we all, we hooked so much of our experiences of meaning and value and solace and comfort to God, to specific religious forms. And once we took those away, and once science suggested that we might need to get rid of those things or change them drastically, um, then everything we did became untethered, you know, and now I think we are some, we're, we're lost. Uh, philosopher Mary Migley, uh, she's fantastic. She calls this God surgery. You know, God has been excised and now what do we do? Um, and this is all again, because science and, and philosophy, but science churns through, it asks questions. It is relentless it, it'll eat anything that doesn't provide a good, you know, a solid empirical answer. And this can be, again, this is a very good thing in many ways. And I'm a huge proponent of getting good data, repeatable data and relying on it. But we also just need to be aware of the fact that there is this other side of science that is destructive and we need to take care of it. And we need to acknowledge the effect that it has had on us. It has polarized us. You know, it has divided our country. It has made, people are very afraid of it because of this destructive power. And we don't, in the secular West, we don't understand this. We don't understand why religious people are so averse to science, but science is an enormous threat to their like emotional and existential stability. And we need to be able to hold space for that. That's hugely important. And so all of this is, not exactly what Stuart and I were talking about because he was talking about the practices of science and ignorance and questions and how beautiful it is to live into the questions. And I absolutely a hundred percent like agree with that. But I think as humans, it's, it's challenging and specifically because of the history we have, it's challenging. And so we need to be really intentional about how we help ourselves as individuals and our wider communities em embrace this, the, the questions. And, and let go of, of firm answers. It's, it's, not, it's not going to be an easy task. Uh, I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to stop now. Uh, but that's a little bit of a preview on the, in, you know, the history and the nature of science from my, from my perspective. And we'll be talking about this at great length. And if you haven't listened to, the with, to number seven with Stuart yet, definitely do. It's a great episode. Um, and I will be uh, back next week with a woman who is uh, a friend of mine and creates amazing projects out like in the real world uh, to talk about science and create science literacy and help people share knowledge and bridge gaps between uh, right and left and you know what you know and what your neighbor knows and your perspectives and it's all brilliant so I'm super excited uh, to have her on her name is Stephanie Sassy and she will be on with episode Eight. It's been really lovely chatting. Please be in touch on Insta, you know, send me comment or, or send me a message or on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Stephanie Ruber uh, or anywhere. Email me TMO everything at gmail.com. And I will be more than happy to uh, bring on guests you suggest or answer questions you may have, or um, just say hi. So thank you a lot for tuning in and I will talk to you next time. Take care.